The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Danielle Stockbridge. She is the site manager for Paws for Purple Hearts here in Virginia. Uh, Danielle, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to sit and talk with you and share a little bit more about Paused for Purple Hearts. So well, first, uh, as I mentioned, you are the Virginia site manager. And uh, be, where where actually is that site <laughs> for, for point of reference? <laughs> so for point of reference, we are close to King's Dominion. Um, if you know where that is off of exit 98, we are actually in Ruther Glen, Virginia. So we're about halfway between Washington, D.C. and Richmond. Okay. And how, how big is the is the facility there? Like how... we, we have about five, 1,200 square foot units. So we've grown a lot since we opened here in 2015. We started with one 1,200 square foot unit. So we used to kennel the dogs, um, teach canine assisted warrior therapy, and have our staff offices all in one unit. Um, and over the years, we've been able to grow. So we have a dedicated kennel room where the dogs stay, a dedicated training room where the trainers work on actually doing the training of the dogs and running the CAWT sessions, um, as well as like more of an admin storage space. And then our last unit, which we use for events. Right. So, I mean, the, you know, the title of the organization, Pause for Purple Hearts, that kind of gives it away what you do. But let's talk about the history of Pause for Purple Hearts. How, how, how did it get started? And um, particularly there's, uh, Dr. Bonita Bergen, um, and, and starting the whole concept of canine assisted warrior therapy. Let's, let's dive into the history a little bit, Danielle. <laughs> yeah. So our founder and CEO is Dr. Bonita Bergen, and she is actually the founder of the mobility service dog concept. So she kind of had this thought that people with mobility challenges need help and they just need help with like repetitive tasks like opening um, and closing doors, turning on and off lights, getting their medication. So she had this thought that dogs could help with that so they don't need a person and they have more independence that way. Um, so she came up with this concept in like the 1970s um, and then in the 1990s and early 2000s she opened the Bergen College of Canine Studies. So that's where um, all of the trainers at our organization and many service dog organizations across the United States learn how to teach service dog commands. And where um, where and is in, that located? It's in Pengrove, California. Okay. Um, so wow. that's actually where our headquarters is based out of, too. So we have a very strong partnership with Bergen still. Our program started in 2006 as a pilot program for one of the master's students that was currently at Bergen. Um, they were already running a program similar to our canine assisted warrior therapy, where we have veterans help us teach the service dog commands. They were already doing this with um, teenagers that were suffering from minor infractions with the law. And the, they were actually helping to teach service dogs as a form of therapy for that. And then they were able to kind of adjust this concept for uh, military members. And they opened the first CAWT session at the Menlo Park VA in 2008. It's kind of like the very beginnings of our organization. And from there, we were able to snowball, open up CAWT across the United States and also train our service dogs at the same time. So uh, Dr. Bergen, though, in California, mm -hmm. um, essentially was training 
like folks to do this just sort of generally across the country, but then, you know, pauses for Purple Hearts was founded specifically to support um, like wounded warriors and that sort of thing mm-hmm. in that time frame, like after Afghanistan, is that? Exactly, about that time period. You know, one of the things that st- strikes me just being a dog lover um, is it's not just the physical support is there emotional support that you know you know whether at ps td ps you know post-traumatic distress syndrome you know and and that sort of thing from you know that companionship is that is that part of what's i mean that's not really trained that's inherent i think right in the human you know canine relationship Yeah, absolutely. So our dogs are here to serve and they want to be with you. So some of the commands that we teach our dogs are specifically to mitigate symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. So our dogs learn a command called nudge. So a very common sign of anxiety is shaking the leg. So the dogs will come over and stop that behavior. So they're able to interrupt that repetitive behavior and allow our veterans to kind of recognize that they're having these big feelings, these big emotions and then they're able to use the strategies that they've learned from their therapist along with the dog helping as well to be able to calm themselves down. All right. Um, you know, I know we're going to talk more about the training a little bit later, but that, you know, you know, one of the things too, I guess, just like anything like this, right. There's an, you, 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 there's an accreditation process. It's that's created sort of quality control and that sort of thing. Can you talk about the assistance dog international accreditation and what that is and how it, it relates to pause for purple hearts? Yeah, so Assistance Dog International is kind of like the overarching governing board for service dog organizations. And it's basically just saying that this service dog organization is up to the highest standard in what they do, their dog training methods, and the dogs that they use in their program. So we were able to get accredited in 2021. Um, it was a pretty long process. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's a pretty long process. Um we had to show like all of our paper trails, all of, you know, all the homework, cross all your T's and dot all your I's. <laughs> um, and then Assistance Dog International did a site visit and they actually came to our Virginia facility to learn how we do things. They interviewed all of our staff members, um, some of our puppy parents, which are our volunteers and some of our service dog recipients. Oh, so they did talk, actually talk to mm-hmm. folks yeah. who had service dogs. Yeah, I mean, I think did. that... <laughs> that, that would seem to me be the bottom line, right? As right, you know, exactly. customer satisfaction and <laughs> it has been effective in supporting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your site is down um, near Kings Dominion, and then there's the California headquarters. Are there? Does Pause for Purple Hearts have other facilities around the country? Yes, so we're a national organization. So we have a facility in Anchorage, Alaska, to serve warriors on the J Bear base. Um, San Antonio, Texas, San Diego, California, Tacoma, Washington, which is our newest site, and and then the original in Bay Air, in the Bay Area. And okay, that's, I think that's all. <laughs> so you're pretty much the East Coast uh, branch of uh, of Phosphor Purple Hearts, is that right? Yeah, everybody else is on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, it'd be interesting. So I, then do your, all your dogs get placed either in Virginia, mid-Atlantic states, or just is it the whole East Coast? So House for Purple Hearts kind of uses a multi-tier approach. So our facility is obviously located in Virginia, and we serve from Maryland down to Florida for our service dog placements. Um, 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that the dogs at this site are going to be placed within that geographic scope. Um, we match our dogs based on need and personality. So if we have a dog that's a good fit for a veteran in um, like Colorado, we'll place the dog out there. And then one of the sites on the West Coast will be responsible for kind of managing and monitoring that service dog pair. Right. So there's some logistics involved there if you're going to, yeah. you know, place, it sounds like you place dogs nationwide. Yes, we do. At the end of the day. So then and flip side of that is I guess there'll be dogs from California, San Diego, mm-hmm. even that end up, you know, in Virginia or, you know, or North Carolina or whatever. Right. Exactly. Interesting. <laughs> so tell me, um, you know, what, one of the things you mentioned, you know, before there's the pause act pilot program. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? Um, so that is the Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Members. It was passed in Congress in 2021, and we were one of the three programs invited to participate in it in 2022. Um, so it's a pretty big deal. It's a five-year study through the VA. They're working on testing the effectiveness of like canine-assisted therapies. Um, so like I said, in help, having veterans help to train service dogs for one of their wounded comrades. So it's just it's basically a way for us to prove to um, the government <laughs> And everyone else, the impact that dogs can have on warriors. So we're running Paws Act um, therapy sessions at our San Antonio site and at our Anchorage, Alaska site right now. Okay. And then when we, I got a couple more questions about that uh, pilot program when we come back, but we're already up on the break, Danielle. So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion. Um, we're going to, again, uh, follow up questions on the Paws Act pilot program with the VA. And uh, then we'll talk about uh the growth of, of your organization over the last uh, decade or so, and um, and then move on to the therapy itself and how it sort of works and what, how you train the dogs. My guest today is Danielle Stockbridge. She is the Virginia site manager for Paws for Purple Hearts, and I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walder, and my guest today is Danielle Stockbridge. She is the Virginia Site Manager for Paws for Purple Hearts. And we're talking about, uh, you know, therapy dogs, uh, how they support, uh, you know, veterans in particular, obviously, uh, given the name Paws for Purple Hearts, and just trying to get some, get the whole history of this, 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 this approach to helping folks um, your organization, how it's grown, uh, where it is, and, you know, just what the benefits really are. And it's really fascinating stuff. Um, when we took the break, Danielle, um, you had mentioned this Pause Act pilot program that Congress had passed, and you're one of three organizations that you were included, I guess, in a study. And there's, it's in Alaska and San Antonio. Can you talk a little bit, what's the engagement in, you know, be, between your organization and the VA, what what are they kind of do? They bring in the veterans in with the dogs. Do they? What are the kind of the metrics and how you how you work with the VA in those loca- in those locations? Yeah, so in Anchorage, we're working with the obviously the Anchorage VA system, and then in San Antonio, we're working with the Audie Murphy um, Memorial Hospital. Um, so therapists at those hospitals are having veterans that are in the healthcare system already signing up for therapy programs with Paws for Purple Hearts. So we have a 16-week curriculum that our program instructors will go through. They kind of start with the basics of dog training, um, and then they have the veterans kind of reinforce the dog's um, command knowledge. And we're measuring how the warriors are feeling prior to the sessions and how they're feeling afterwards and the long-term effects of this therapy program. 
So how long is this long-term effects? How long is this study going to go? Is there, is there a time limit? It's going for five years. So that'll give them time to go through quite a few cohorts in that time and be able to measure, have a larger sample size to see how the program is impacting our veterans. Sure. That, yeah, um, that's, 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 that's pretty interesting stuff. And, and, and the fact that the government has embraced it and is looking at it, um, cause I would presume, Danielle, it would have applications well, you know, beyond veterans over the long term, right. Just in terms of therapy for folks. And you see it every day. Folks do have therapy dogs to help them, um, in all, in all manners. Um, so your organization, you know, I have to say, um, we came across the coalition for government procurement came across your organization. We were searching for uh, a new, um, I guess, charity to support uh, with our charity golf tournament. We do uh, at whiskey Creek every year in August. Um, And our research led to, we were looking for an organization that focused on therapy dogs uh, for veterans. And we came across your organization and pretty impressed with, you know, the structure, the growth over the years, uh, and just, and, you know, the testimonials that you've received from folks. Can you talk a little bit about just generally the growth? In the first seven, you did talk about the history of its founding, but, um, you know, you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't success right at the end of the day and it has grown. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you said, um, we've definitely grown a lot over the years, and it's mostly thanks to the community. We've been really lucky to have some amazing community partners like you guys and um, a bunch of other people. And as I've mentioned, we were able to grow from our original site in Menlo Park, California, to six sites across the United States. Um, And over the last 12 years, we've been able to deploy over 120 dogs in our programming. Um, and we've been able to improve over 10,000 lives through the therapy work and through the service dog placements. Yeah. And people, when they say, you say over 120 dogs, I think, I don't think people with us, we're going to get into that now. I think that's a great segue. Um, how much time, effort and treasure really it takes to, you know, train one of these dogs and actually place them with a veteran or with a, you know, veteran care facility. Um, First of all, can you talk just generally like how long it takes um, and we can go through a lot of the process um, as well. And then let's, let's do that first. Um, okay. So how long does it take and um, you know, what are kind of the stages and steps? So it takes about two and a half years for us to fully um, train a service animal. Our dogs start their training as soon as they are born. So we either get our puppies from our headquarters in California. We have a very small breeding program. We work with labs, golden retrievers, or a cross of the two because they have the soft mouths, they're people-oriented, and they also really like food. So it makes them much easier to train. Um, Or since we are an accredited member of Assistance Dog International, we get puppies from other service dog organizations to kind of introduce new lines into our training as well. Um, So we start the dog's training with what we call puppy petting. So in this stage, we have volunteers help us by handling the dogs and helping to acclimate them to the human touch. So by the time they get to the sites at like eight to 12 weeks old, they're very used to people already. They want to be around people. Um, So the next stage of training is puppy training. So in this stage, the dogs are basically just learning basic obedience. So they're learning like the sit down, um, just how to be a good dog in the home. Um, And then at about six months, they'll enter the... Uh, formal training stage. So during formal training, they'll start learning their service dog commands. So they'll start learning like 
frame mobility um, commands, they'll learn like retrieval sequences, um, they'll learn the PTSD commands and things like that. Um, and they'll start getting used to different medical equipment. So we teach our dogs to be comfortable around like walkers and wheelchairs and canes because, you know, you're going to see that, especially if the dogs are going into the VA hospital or when the veterans are coming in with their own medical equipment into our facilities. Um, and also at this time is when the dogs are really getting um, started in social therapy, which is just visiting with veterans in like health, different healthcare facilities. And when they're starting to participate in canine assisted warrior therapy. Um, and during this time, they're able to generally impact about 40 to 60 veterans before they enter and are placed during the finishing training stage. So in finishing training, our dogs are um, being evaluated. So at 18 months, they're evaluated on like a graduation checklist. And they're our, vet our, sorry, our trainers are starting to look at um, where the dog is going to be placed. So if they're going to be a service dog if that's going to be a mobility or PTSD service dog, or if they're on the facility dog track. So facility dogs would be dogs that are doing like social therapy for their job versus being paired with one veteran, helping that one veteran. When you're looking at um, a dog and deciding whether it's social mobility, P, post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, support, or a facility support where there's a dog where lots of veterans come for you know, care of some sort. Um, you know, what, 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 what kind of are you looking, what other criteria when you're trying to decide where the dog fits best? Yeah. So um, it really, once he graduates, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really depends on the dog. So um, for our facility dogs, we're looking for dogs that are very social. So they're maybe not so into one person, they want to be around a bunch of people and they're very good at like soliciting attention from a bunch of people because generally we don't want our service dogs to do that, but that's perfect for a facility dog. So if a dog does that naturally, then that's the track that they're going to be placed on. Sort of or, an extrovert, uh, huh? Exactly. That's a great okay. way to look at it. Okay. <laughs> and then for our service dogs, for mobility service dogs, we're generally looking at really comes down to size. So a dog that is bigger is going to make a better mobility service dog um, because they're able to help and give support um, with the retrievals. They're able to get objects up to their handler's hand versus maybe a smaller dog can't do that stuff as well. And if a dog is enjoys retrieving more than they enjoy doing other tasks, that would make them a good mobility service dog. Um, and then for our PTSD service dogs, we're looking for dogs that are very like emotionally um like connected. So they are very good at kind of sensing feelings. They're able to tell when someone is entering into anxiety attacks and things like that. But honestly, most of our clients are a combination of mobility and PTSD. So our dogs are able to kind of accomplish both of those tasks. So we do do a general blanket training with our dogs um, up to the finishing training stage. And then once we hit formal training, that's when we start to specialize their command knowledge. Right. And how, when you decide um, that it's going to be a dog that goes with an, an individual veteran. How do, well, we've got about a minute left. Let's start that conversation and then we'll, we'll continue in the next segment. Um, how, how does that work? How do you pair a dog with a specific veteran? I think, as I understand, it's quite a, quite a process, quite a thorough process. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. So I'll start at like the beginning beginning of the process. So when a veteran is starting to think about getting a service dog, we suggest that they go to our website and fill in like the intake inquiry form. 
Um, and then our national client manager will work people through the process. So they have to get letters of recommendation from their healthcare provider, um, letters of references from like their family members, all of their medical history, and they just have to show how a service dog might help them. Um, and then once we get all that information. Okay, well, that's a great place to stop, Danielle. When we come back, we can, you know, they've submitted essentially, it sounds like an application <laughs> and references and that sort of thing. We can talk about what the next steps are after that um, when we come back from the next segment. My guest today is Danielle Stockridge. She is the Virginia Site Manager for Pause for Purple Hearts. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Danielle Stockbridge. She is the Virginia Site Manager for Pause for Purple Hearts, um, at Canine Assisted Warrior, Warrior Therapy, um, helping our veterans um, with mobility issues, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome um, issues, and also, you know, being placed in facilities to help vet, you know, veteran care facilities, help veterans across the board. So, um, first of all, before we go any further, Danielle, can you share the website address and where people can go learn more about Pause for Purple Hearts and perhaps make a donation or two? <laughs> yeah, so to learn more about us, you can visit pause for the number four, ph.org. Great. And there's lots of information about um, the organization, the Virginia site, um, and the dogs that have been placed. And, and there, there is a place there to write to make donations too, right, Danielle? Yes, there is the donate button up at the top. <laughs> okay, great. I, I'm pull that out of you at some point, okay? <laughs> um, so so when we took the break, Danielle, we were talking about sort of the the placement process and, the, and you know, we got through the application where the veterans – you know, have to provide their medical history, their records, um, I guess some references and um, that sort of thing to you all. So, so we're at the next stage that veteran has submitted all that information. What, what happens next? So next they would do an interview with their client manager and then the client liaison for whatever location they're closest to. Um, and that's just so we can get a better feel of what the veteran needs, um, what they're like. And then we will do a home visit to make sure that the home would be a safe place for one of our service dogs. Um, and then once our clients, they go through all that and they are accepted onto the wait list, we will have them do what we call social style surveys. Um, so for the social style surveys, it goes through like a bunch of uh, personality traits and you have to give it to your friends, your family, six people who are close to you, and they will rate you on the the sliding scale for those different traits. And we actually do the same exact things with our dogs. So we, once we are ready to actually place the dog, we'll go to the client's folders and we'll read through like what they're looking for in a dog. And we'll look at their social style surveys to make sure that they're a good match for the dog that we're thinking about being placed with them. Um, and then once we have a good match, we'll reach out to the client and they'll be invited for a two week client training at whatever um, facility is having the client training that year. So you do those social, I guess, surveys of the dogs as well. What yes, we do. Okay. So who, who does that? Is it the trainers or are there, you know, veterans who come in and sort of help you do that training and that sort of thing? Is that how, is that how that works? Exactly. So our program instructor, their primary trainer will do one. Um, generally, they're puppy parents. That's the volunteer that helps with the dog over the weekends to give the trainer a break and give the dog a break from the regular training. They'll do one. And then the veterans that work with the dogs during canine-assisted warrior therapy will do a couple as well. We well, sparked another. Yeah, great. So you sparked another question. Can you sort of talk about a typical week 
Yeah. Um, at your facility. That's I mean, cause it's, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize the dogs like get away for the weekend or, yes, the, or, or, or the trainers get away from the dogs <laughs> for the weekend. So can you yeah. talk about what, the, what a typical week looks like for a, for a trainer and a dog. Yeah. So Monday through Friday is kind of your typical work week for the dogs and for the trainers. Um, so a couple of days a week, we'll have veterans coming in for canine assisted warrior therapy. Um, and then during the off time when we're not doing therapy programs, the dogs will be working on different commands um, or doing what we call field trips. So their trainers will bring them into public places and they'll practice their commands in different areas because it's cool if you can do it in the training room, but the dogs have to be able to do those commands anywhere and not be distracted by, you know, kids running around or shopping carts rolling by them. Um, and then, you know, they're also still dogs, so they get a lot of playtime, a lot of downtime. Um, they get to hang out with their other dog friends that are at the facility. And then in the evenings, they'll either um, stay at the facility or they'll go home with the trainers, which is generally what we do. And then on the weekends, we have volunteers, like I mentioned, the puppy parents that will take the dog home with them for um, a few nights in order to give the dog like a break from the regular training. So it's like their nine to five job until they go home. <laughs> and um, so to be a puppy parent, I mean, that must be a similar application process and you go check out the people's houses and all that kind of stuff. And and do you, does it matter whether they have pets as well or do you or is that? something you like to see that they actually uh, have pet, have their own pets? Yeah, so we have a variety of puppy parents. So some of them do have pets. So we've got puppy parents with dogs and with cats. And we love to see that because it gives our dogs a chance to interact with um, other dogs that aren't maybe labs and golden retrievers or just dogs that are in our program. Um, we do do like a meet and greet when we go and do a home visit just to make sure that the puppy parent's dog is good with our dogs. Um, we love it when they have cats because that helps our dogs in their training as well, learn how to live with a cat. Um, but it, they don't necessarily have to have pets, and we're okay with that too. So we have a blend of puppy parents for sure. Wow. Um, and how many dogs are you are in training right now at your at your site? At my site, we have 11. So we, we're supposed to be getting another puppy in a couple of weeks, which we're super excited about. So we have four trainers at our facility. Each of them should have three dogs. So we'll have a full set of 12 in a couple of weeks here. Okay. And let's and you said it took, takes two and a half years to mm-hmm. train the dogs. So where are, where are, where are the dogs on the spectrum? How many are getting close to graduation? <laughs> um, how many are, you know, just, you know, in the midst of uh, school, I guess, in a certain sense. And how many are just starting out? Yes. Yeah, so that's a great question. We have three dogs that are under a year right now so they're very cute little puppies one of them is the golden retriever and he is precious (laughs) um the we have one that is close to graduation and we actually had two graduate this year already so booth was graduated as a service dog in july and jeanette graduated as a facility dog in august so we're super proud of them and then the rest of our dogs are in that like rest main training area so they're about a year to 18 months old Great. So let's talk a little bit about too about um, in the first segment you mentioned a command. Can you talk about you know from a, from the physical aspect you know in terms of helping you know veterans who are have you know limitations? What are some of the things that these dogs? It's amazing to watch. I've you know you've you've done a demonstration for us. Uh, what are what are some of these things these dogs can do for a veteran? Yeah, so for our mobility clients, the dogs can help by doing anything that's kind of a repetitive task. So 
they can open refrigerator doors, get the med their medicine out of their refrigerator, bring it to them, go back and shut the door. Um, so there's a whole command sequence that our dogs learn. For our clients with post-traumatic stress disorder or traumatic brain injury, um, the dogs can help with that nudge command that I mentioned. Um, the, related to that, they can help interrupt nightmares. So if they see their person um, moving a lot in their sleep, the dogs will come over and they'll lay on their person or nudge at them until they wake up. Um, they also learn a command called lay on. So that puts um, full body pressure on the warrior. So you can either be laying down and the dog will lay like up your body. Or if you're sitting on the floor, the dog will lay across your lap. And that's just that deep-seated pressure that can be really good for anxiety. Um, it helps our warriors know that they're not alone. Um, whenever they go into public, they have their battle buddy with them, which can be really reassuring. And it gives them the confidence to be able to go out in public on their own. Yeah. And some of the things I saw, though, like being able to pick up credit cards oh, yeah, <laughs> or keys or things like, can you, t I mean, that's those mobility things. Those are pretty, <laughs> um, pretty amazing. Yeah, so they definitely help. They can pick up anything that you drop. So that's very helpful for our warriors that have a hard time bending over. So they can pick up like credit cards, like you said. They can pick up pieces of paper without breaking them. Um, they definitely have very gentle mouths, which allows them to do all kinds of things. Um, and then the dogs who are at facilities, mm -hmm. besides being extroverts, like what, what are they? Are they really just for companionship generally? That you know when folks are in getting their treatment or they're waiting and that sort of thing, they have something that kind of, they can focus on other than, you know, what, you know, where, what they're about to go through, I guess, perhaps. Yeah. It's some of that, but it's also a little bit more than that. So they also can do all of the commands that the PTSD service dogs can do. So when our veterans are in therapy sessions and they're talking about these really intense things, the dogs are able to sense that and come over and perform a lay on and give them some of that deep seated pressure as well. So the dogs yeah. will be in the sessions with the oh, yeah. veterans and the doctors or whoever they're talking to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the facility uh, dog can be, mean a bunch of different things actually. So it could be that they're just visiting, um, going from room to room and saying hello, but it can also be, paired with a mental health care professional and they might be in the office while they're doing therapy sessions. So it really just depends on the needs of the hospital. Right. Okay. Well, Danielle, we're up on the break. Um, when we come back, I'm going to ask you how you got into this um, organization and your background a little bit. And then we talk a little bit more about, um, about the dogs themselves and then how folks can help support your organization. My guest today is Danielle Stockbridge. She is the Virginia site manager for Paws for Purple Hearts. I'm Roger Waldron. You're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Danielle Stockbridge. She is the Virginia site manager for Paws for Purple Hearts. We've been talking about uh, canine assisted warrior therapy, uh, the Paws for Purple Hearts organization, and how it's uh, supporting and helping veterans across the country. Um, and Danielle, you know, clearly you love animals, right? So, and you love dogs. So that's, that's yeah, just a little bit. Um, your enthusiasm is infectious. Um, um, so that's obviously a number one criteria perhaps for what you do for a living, but can you talk a little about your background and how you um, came to pause for purple arts and are now the Virginia site manager? Yeah, so I am from Ashland, Virginia, which is a little bit down the road from Ruth or Glen. Um, I graduated from Bridgewater College the first time in 2019 with an undergrad in communication studies and political science. Um, and then I 
did an extra year at Bridgewater College to get my master's in digital media strategy. So I graduated in 2020. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but luckily, when I was looking for jobs, I've had some experience working in the nonprofit industry um, with Big Brothers Big Sisters and a couple of museums. And I saw the posting for Pause for Purple Hearts, working with veterans and dogs. And I'm the granddaughter of a Vietnam vet. So it was a very close to my heart. And obviously, like I said, I do love animals. Um, so I started here in 2020 as a marketing and communications specialist. Um, so I worked on like the social media and fundraising and doing events and stuff like that. Um, and then in 2022, I was promoted to the site manager position. And so, so what do you, what are your responsibilities? What, do, you know, day to day as a site manager, I mean, clearly getting the word out is part of it and I'm glad to help in any way I can. Um, but you know, just as a site manager, um, there's a lot going on there, right. With, um, you know, with your trainers and now going to be 12 dogs and, you know, the logistics and that sort of thing. So what's your typical day like? Oh man, it definitely changes from day to day. That's for sure. Um, but my biggest thing is that my job is to make sure the facility runs smoothly from day to day. So that's making sure that the trainers have all the resources they need. Um, do we need uh, a donation to go on a field trip for one of the dogs? Like they need to go to a baseball field or something. Like how can I help them get the tickets for that? Um, do we even have like the right cleaning supplies here? Is everything safety wise good to go? Um, so my day definitely changes. Um, one day I might be on a meeting or a call with some people who want to help uh, fund our program. And the next day I might be um, cleaning something at the facility. <laughs> Definitely always different. <laughs> right. And just from a food perspective, and that must be with 12 dogs and these are big dogs. Yeah. Um, that must be quite something to have, you know, in terms of volume and the number of deliveries and that sort of thing and the cost. Yes. <laughs> uh, can you, so can you give us some insight on that? Yeah, so um, we use Prina Pro plants for our dogs. So each of our dogs probably eats a $50 bag of dog food each month. So you can do the math for that with 12 dogs. Right. Um, so food is definitely a big expense for us. Um, we go through a lot of it. But luckily, we are, um, we're, we are very fortunate in that we have a lot of generous donors who will go to our Amazon wish list and make donations of dog food for us. Fantastic. Um, and, and what are, how many, what are the total employees at the sites? You mentioned yours, you know, there's four trainers and you got 12 dogs. Who, who else, how many other folks are uh, on staff at your, at the Virginia site? Yeah. So at my site, there's six of us. So it's just me, our marketing communication specialist, um, who I think came to y'all's golf tournament and then yes, our trainers. Yeah. <laughs> Along with, um, you know, one of your dogs, yes, um, Orion. Put, put Orion, <laughs> and he uh, put on a presentation for the attendees and um, showed um, some some of his skills yeah. <laughs> and, tra and training. We picked up credit cards, laid on, did the one where they lay, you know, lay across the body, um, that sort of thing. It was pretty impressive uh, to see. <laughs> Um, don't tell anyone, but he's one of my favorites. <laughs> okay, I won't tell. I won't tell the other other dogs. Uh, but, um, so how long? I mean, so it takes two and a half years, and you know what? What are the what's the investment? How much does it cost to actually train the dog from day one to actual placement? 
Yeah, so we estimate that it costs about $35,000 over the two and a half years. Um, and that's for, you know, all the food, all of the medical care, their treats, their toys, um, the trainer's time for working with these incredible dogs. Um, all of that goes into making a service dog. So for 12 dogs, that's well over $400,000, you know, just to to get them to the point that they're, um, they're placed. Um, and that, you know, that, that takes money. Can you talk a little bit about how people can help? Um, I know we mentioned the website uh, previously, but, you know, just, let's just go over that again. How can people help? How can they, what role does social media play in promoting, you know, the opportunity to support your efforts at uh, Pause for Purple Hearts? Yeah, so our website yeah. is pause4ph.org. Um, you can go there to make a donation. Any amount helps. Like I said, it costs $50 to feed a dog for a month. So even that makes a huge impact on our programming. Um, our Amazon wish lists are also on our website. So in-kind donations are super helpful for us. We take um, the food. We take all kinds of toys and treats as well. Um, you can follow us on social media on Instagram at pause4ph. Um, each dog has their own hashtag. So if you're attached to a certain dog, you can look up um, hashtag PPH and then the dog's name. So if you want to see more pictures of Orion in particular, you can go to hashtag PPH Orion. I will um, be doing that. Excellent. <laughs> social media definitely plays a big role for us. Um, it's how we kind of get new people involved in our program um, that helps us to spread the word. Um, we do a lot of word of mouth advertising as well. So help, that helps us kind of get involved with different groups who might want to support us. Um, on our website, you can also submit forms for net matching donations for your employers. Um, we also accept donations via check on our, uh, at each of our facilities as well. That's fantastic. Um, it's a great, it's a great, great thing that um, Pause for Purple Hearts and Danielle, you, you and your team are doing to help support veterans and um it truly does make a difference and it is pretty pretty darn expensive when you stop to think about how much each dog costs uh and how and what the you know priceless benefits that are provided for veterans um from from you know a companionship perspective and the ability to do things to help support them in their day-to-day lives uh fundamentally makes a difference um and I really appreciate everything that you that you do and that your team does to to support our veterans. So I want to thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. So and and with that, Daniel, we're at the end of the show. So um I'm looking forward to seeing you seeing you at the golf tournament next year. And you know, we're <laughs> gonna to continue to support your organization um year in and year out now. Um we're proud to do it and 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 appreciative of the opportunity to do it at the coalition. So Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. My guest today has been Danielle Stockbridge. She is a Virginia site manager for Pause for Purple Hearts. I'm Roger Waldron. You've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.